Hello, and welcome to episode 24 of the Posecast with Rabbi Shmuel Posner and myself, Seth Hellman. Rabbi, how are you doing today? Baruch Hashem. Good morning to everybody. It's Sukkot. It's Man Simchaseinu. It's time of joy. Which, by the way, it, it's not easy. People, I got a call this morning <laughs> from this other shliach who calls me every once in a while. And he's having trouble being happy. <laughs> I think the nature of people is it's much easier to not be happy than to be happy. Like, where does happiness come from? Where is it? What's it all about? But it's really tough if you think about it. Because there's always things that are annoying happening, you know, in life in general. And it's so easy not to, it's so easy just to give them credence and then they interrupt your life. So saying, oh, somebody's happy. Like, what are you happy about? There's always pressure to do something. You always have to be productive and there's always challenges coming along. So it's a very, very deep avoida, an intense demand on a person when you say you should be happy. And it comes really with a deep connection to Hashem. So when, you, when you're able to say that everything in the world is happening because God wants it to happen this way, then it's all right, it's all good. And did I mention this last week about this guy who was standing in front of his factory that was burning down, and he was giving this little drash about how everything comes from Hashem. And when you're, whatever, he's going to hold a little, little, little talk about how everything is great and fantastic. Okay, you have to be realistic also. You know, if your house is burning down, you probably should, I mean, he'd call the fire department. But, you know, you can't just say, oh, it's all good, I'm not going to worry about it. But the, the idea of, of actually having complete trust in Hashem that everything that happens is good is the only way to be happy. And that's, that's, that's a very elevated level of connection to Hashem. So by the Rebbe, we saw this, this transition, which you mentioned last week, from, from Yom Kippur into, into Sukkot. To be able to like be in all this seriousness of Yom Kippur and then flip it in a moment and be like this tremendous joy of, of Sukkot, and, which is called Masim Chaseinu, but it's all based on that, on that you know, deep faith that a Jew has. So this guy called me, told me, you know, he's having, you know, he's struggling with a lot of, with some different issues. I said, grab a lulav and esrik, and go out and meet some Jews and shake a lulav and esrik with them. And he said, hey, I'm standing outside right now, with my kids, there's no one here. I guess like vacation time, he's on campus somewhere in Israel. You know, Sukkot's probably everything's closed. I said, dance around the table with them. <laughs> So I find that's the best way. Being alone is difficult to be happy. When you, when you, the minute you interact with other people, that brings a sense of joy. Just it's, it's uplifting. Especially when you talk to them about being happy, being joyous. Where do I see these things about dancing in a circle? When we dance, we dance in a circle, right? And there's different types of dancing. Not that I would know about this, but I've heard... At a nightclub, they're like everybody's doing their own thing. This is what I heard. Rabbi's definitely <laughs> pulling up to all of the nightclubs, just like every <laughs> single one. And they're that you know they're doing their own thing. We hear what we do is like when we do the chadeid around the bima, we put hands on the shoulders. So we're like we're making one chain. Or when you hold hands and you dance, like oh, so it's not about the individual. It's about Becoming one, becoming, taking the group, making the group into one. And that's beautiful. And that's where joy comes from, when you're sharing with somebody else.
So that's what I told this guy. Dance around the table with your kids. And you'll find a little coffee felt to the living Esther with him. Which, you know, when we ask him, you know, to put on tefillin, it's a big deal. Ask me, take this, hold this. So the trick is, if the guy doesn't want to do it, you say, can you hold this for a second, please? <laughs> <laughs> and once he has it, he says, you're doing a mitzvah now. And he's stuck. We're going to drop it. So yeah, that's what's going on. Is Mansum Chasen time to be happy, time for joy, have a positive attitude? We had a nice group of people came yesterday. You know, Friday Friday was crazy rain. I don't know what's right. going on in New Hampshire, but in the lower states, New York, New Jersey, and up the coast, Connecticut. And by the time we went out to the sukkah, which was probably 7.30, 8 o'clock, it stopped raining. Then our light didn't work. Okay, so then, you know, we got over it. Here's the thing. It was flickering. Mm. We figured out later, we couldn't do anything much about it on Shabbos, but we figured out, right. after Shabbos, figured out that um, it was just waterlogged and just like, you know, it doesn't work anymore. Right. Not a big deal. It cost, I think, $8 three years ago. Um, <laughs> but once the light stopped flickering, because there was, there was a non-Jew that was there, and so mm-hmm. he tried to play around with it. But once, once it wasn't working at all, then everybody's, everybody's eyes adjusted to the dark. You know, it wasn't dark, dark, because we had the spotlight on top of the sukkah. Right. <coughs> so it was fine. See, that's the deal. We always are looking for the brightest moments. And when it comes and goes, comes and goes, that's the difficulty. Once you, you get used to, you know, where you're at. Now, we're not talking, you know, it's like this. When it comes to spiritual things, you should always be jealous of somebody else. When it comes to physical things, material things, you should be happy with your lot. So, you know, you look at your house and it's, it's fine, it's okay. And you say, oh, this guy has such a much bigger house. I'm like, ah, who cares? Spiritual things, you always want to grow. So when the light's flickering on and off, oh, the light is on, it's so beautiful, then it turns off. Like, that's like maddening. Once the lights were off, everybody was connecting. And it was, it was a beautiful, just a beautiful, um, beautiful first night of Sukkot. And my talk was, Hashem loves us. Uh-huh. So you let it rain a whole day so we can go into the Sukkah. And Hashem loves us to do the mitzvah. And we have to love each other in the whole nine yards. So that was that. And then last night we had a little fabrengen, you know, whatever they call it. Subs in the Sukkah. So this one guy sent me a cartoon with a submarine. <laughs> <laughs> in a sukkah. <laughs> and it's catching the weather. He said, RSP is doing nisachamayim. You know, the, the, the pouring the water on the altar. The water libation. So that's why there's a sub in the sukkah. <laughs> that was actually kind of funny. Um, yeah, so it that's looked like a lot of fun. I saw Sigiyu was there, and Zev was there, and Eitan oh, yeah, was there, yeah, and there were a couple of faces that there. I didn't recognize. And Chani made sure there's lots of meat in the sub. She said, meats, subs have to have a lot of meat, a lot of meat. Okay, so we poured on the meat. Good, good. Very good. good to hear. There's a couple of sandwiches left over. Anybody's in town wants to come by for lunch or something. Fat meat sandwich. Maybe yeah. worth coming out from New Hampshire. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, um, what else is going on? Let, yeah, let's discuss this sukkah. Okay? And I think everyone knows what the sukkah is, but... Yes. For people who didn't grow up in Chabad, Chabad has the different tradition where you guys don't sleep 
in the sukkah. Now, my family never slept in the sukkah, but it wasn't because we followed Chabad traditions. It was just because we didn't sleep in the sukkah. By default, you did a Chabad tradition. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's what we're going to call it. So, what's the like? What, what's the genesis of it? What's the reasoning behind it? Why? Why is Chabad like basically the only observant population that doesn't sleep in the sukkah? <coughs> yeah, but my question is why everybody else does it. If Chabad doesn't, it's obviously the best way to do it. Um, so, I'm going to tell you two things. I'm going to tell you the second thing first because it really is the second thing. So. This is like every Chabad knows about this. This, this rabbi from, from Jerusalem, I think, came to the Rebbe, you know, an older guy, and he says to the Rebbe, buy dollars. And was, I don't know what, if it was Sukkot time or not Sukkot time, but anyway, he said to the Rebbe, my students want to know why Lubavitch doesn't sleep in the Sukkah. And the Rebbe harangued him for 20 minutes. And basically said, like, why is this what they're thinking about? And he goes to, because, no, so you have to have a little bit of background. You said it sort of as, you know, in a very nice, polite, calm way, not like everybody else does it. Others look and say, ah, look at Chabad, look at Lubavitch. They don't live by Shulchan Aruch. They don't sleep in the sukkah. They're a bunch of la la So, so the Rebbe, I assume, I can't, tell, I can't tell what's going on in his mind, took it like, this guy's trying to make trouble. Because like one of the things, they point the finger, oh, look at Chabad, they don't sleep in the sukkah, they don't keep halacha. Meanwhile, we don't drink a drop of water outside the sukkah. So to say that somehow we're lenient about a sukkah is bizarre. Mm-hmm. Why we don't sleep in the sukkah, we'll get to that in a second. But to this person, the Rebbe did not answer the question. He just kept on, the Rebbe kept on talking to him about how Jews have to get along with one another, how traditionally the great leaders of Chabad and the great leaders of the Lithuanian world got along very well back in Russia when they had to deal with the government, all the kind of stuff. And why is this guy asking this question? Better he should get his students to go out and help other Jews learn Torah or whatever. Like, what is, what, why is he bothering this whole thing? So the Rebbe response to him was not about, not to answer the question. Now, the reason, again, I can't tell you the Rebbe's reason. But it, to me, it's obvious. Guys stood in line to get dollars, right? You ask any chastan online why Chabad doesn't sleep in the sukkah, he can give you the answer. And I think that's what bothered the Rebbe, that why are you asking a question? If you're, looking, if you're seriously looking for the question, answer, the answer is written and printed. If you're looking to make trouble, I'm not interested in, in getting involved in that. I just want to promote Abbas Yisrael. Jews should get along with each other. Okay. That's a little bit, that's a sidebar. It doesn't really answer the question. So the Rebbe in the talk did explain the reason why we don't sleep in the sukkah. And basically, we have the tradition that, I'm not going to explain the Kabbalistic understanding of it, called Makifim Debina. There's this overarching, like everything that's in the physical represents the spiritual, vice versa, right? So for example, eating matzah, what does eating matzah mean? That means you're eating it. So it says, like, Matzah is called bread of faith. When you eat matzah, it strengthens your moon and Hashem. Why is it called bread of faith? Because it's bread. Right? You make hamaitz lechem and aretz on it. And when you eat it, what are you eating? You eat matzah. What does matzah represent? That the Jews left the desert, they had no food, they left Egypt into the desert without any food, and trusted Hashem. So bread of faith is not just like a euphemism. Oh yeah, you eat matzah. No. 
actually the spiritual nourishment for faith comes from eating matzah. That's why I think the Rebbe says that even after the first night, when it's no longer an absolute Torah commandment, you should get people to eat more matzah. Because just eating the matzah itself has that, has that potion to it to strengthen faith. So every mitzvah is like that. It has, it, its physical manifestation is representative of its spiritual content. So when you have the sukkah, now we talk about the sukkah and lulav and esrit, right? So the sukkah is encompassing. Like you walk into the sukkah, right? This is the most famous thing. How many mitzvahs are there that you walk into them, that you're surrounded by the mitzvah? So one obvious one is going to the mikvah. Okay, but that's not like a, it's not like a mitzvah that anybody can do anytime they want. You have to be whatever. But here in the sukkah, you literally walk into the mitzvah. So you're in the sukkah, and, which is the mitzvah, and it's surrounding you. And it also encompasses all the other people that are there. The idea of unity of the Jewish people. Versus the Lulav and Esrig, which is four different species, which represent the four different categories of Jews, taste and smell, taste, no smell, smell, no taste, no, not, not either, the different levels of how Jews excel. So that's already a specific thing. So the Chabad custom is to shake the Lulav and Esrig in the sukkah. Why? Because what you're doing is when you're going like this, you're drawing down energy into you from all the directions. Aha! So the lulav is the hamshacha, the drawing down of the energy. And it should be done in the sukkah. So you have the encompassing energy, internalizing it. Makes a lot of sense. So the, so the line of why we don't sleep in the sukkah is because how can you sleep in a place of such powerful, encompassing energy? Okay. That's that. And that's always been the answer for seven generations since the Alter Rebbe. Which is actually what the Rabbi Alter Rebbe said. What the Rebbe said to this Rabbi, he said, Alter Rebbe knew the halacha too, and nonetheless, and the Sanoch said, all the Rabbi knew halacha. He was basically saying to the guy, "There's no halachic problems. We're talking about geniuses in halacha and holy Jews. If they didn't do it, you can rest. It's not rest assured. It's not a problem." So then the Rebbe explained. So what is? But where do you, where do you, you know, it's very nice to say. In fact, I just met a guy. Whatever, we can tell the whole story. But bottom line is, like, he keeps on talking about, like, he's getting into Judaism, and he's reading, like, Kabbalistic stuff about creation, which, even for someone who knows a lot of Torah and a lot of Hasidus, it's a, it's a tough subject. Like, why the water was first, and the light, the whole six days of creation. And he's, like, talking about it in such, what I found, mundane and common terms. Like, oh, so Hashem made a tzimtzum, he made a space, and then he put the water in and put the thing in. It sounds like somebody making a cake. I said, well, you know, you're, you're mixing, you know, you're taking something very, very spiritual, making it very physical. You gotta, you gotta slow down, you gotta know what you're talking about. Anyway, so when you talk about the encompassing energy of the sukkah, and, you know, how, how can you sleep in the sukkah? So the question is, what's the, you know, the, the, model, the basic halacha? The basic halacha is that you don't sleep in a place that you're uncomfortable. Like say it's raining or it's cold. So if somebody knows, so see, see, if you if you and I slept in a sukkah, would we be perturbed by this great spiritual energy? Like how can you sleep in, with your such powerful holy godly energy? Like what do we know from godly holy energy? Like we pick up a little vanessa, do we feel the spirituality in it? We know about it. We don't we actually feel it. When you put on tefillin during the weekdays, not on Kalamaid, when you put on tefillin, do you feel like like when you put, I put on for the guy, you know, you, you literally have the name of Hashem on your arm and on your head. And I say to him, do you feel it? 
So the guy feels something because it's like an unusual thing. But you and I, I don't know about you, but me, do you feel the God? You're like, oh man, I put on this film like I just I feel uplifted. No, you know that it's special. You know, it's those, you know, it's Hashem's name and all that. So you know it, but you can't say that you actually tangibly feel it actually affects you. So when it comes to the silk, you can say something also. It's very powerful spiritual energy, but you don't feel... So the Rebbe, maybe, the Alter Rebbe, he couldn't sleep in the silk. He couldn't sleep in the... How can I sleep in the silk? Like, it, it just made him crazy. Like that story I told one time, where this man came to an inn, and so the innkeeper gave him a place to sleep. You know, Jewish, Jewish, not Jewish innkeepers back in the day. So... Every hour, he hears, the, he hears the guy getting up and dancing, like for five minutes. Then he goes back to sleep. An hour later, he's that. He's that. He says, okay, what are you doing? All night, you've been, you're standing and getting up and dancing. He says, let me ask you a question. That clock in my room, where did you get the clock from? He tells him, well, there was some great Sadiq who stayed there, and he didn't have money to pay, so he gave me, the, he gave me his clock. He said, that clock, I couldn't sleep every time an hour, you know, every hour, that little thing or something. I got up and I had to dance. He said, why? He said, because every clock in the world tells you an hour past. This clock is the opposite. It says we're one hour closer to the coming of Mashiach. Ah. So every time I I heard the clock going off, it filled me with such excitement. Now, I'm sure other guests stayed in that room and they just slept through the whole night, no problem. Why? Because this guy was attuned to this other tzaddik, whose clock, that tzaddik, the clock meant one hour closer to the Mashiach. So when we sleep in the sukkah, it's not like we feel this godly energy, oh, we can't, I can't sleep here, it's too holy. So the Rebbe says, but knowing that it's so holy, and knowing that it doesn't affect you, even that disturbs you. So you know, I'm going to take my bed, and put on my pajamas, and go to sleep, like in front of the Aron Kaidish in Shul. Now, you, once you put your hand on the pillow, you're out, you're sleeping. But you never do, because I know it's so, how can you go sleep in the shul in front of Aram Kaidish? That's like, it's unacceptable. I just, I, I, I would be upset knowing that it's holy. Not because I'm feeling the holiness. No, I can sleep very fine there. In fact, if I didn't know the Savitari was there, I wouldn't, you know, we no problem. But knowing that it's knowing that it's holy, and it doesn't bother me, that alone bothers me. That alone makes it an uncomfortable situation. And when you're uncomfortable, you don't sleep in the sukkah. So those are the two parts. Those that know how holy it is, they're uncomfortable sleeping there. Those that don't feel the holiness, they're uncomfortable because why don't I feel the holiness when I know how holy it is? And that's, that's how why the rabbi <laughs> only falls asleep around the tables downstairs, never in the <laughs> Never in front of their own Kedish. So that's how we put together this mystical concept and we ground it, so to speak, in the halacha. And that's, that's, that's what it is. And, you know, in some ways, yeah. You think about it, a sukkah is supposed to be a holy mitzvah, like a guy just goes to sleep there. Like, what are you doing? So anyway, so then, you know, when this, came, when this became known to us that this is a holy thing, Chassidus taught us that, then that became the custom. Very interesting. Very interesting. Okay. So, so, just coming to a close very soon, it's almost over. 
but that means that there's more happiness and more celebration to happen. Right. So let, let's talk a little, a little some Kastara, a little Shmini at Seret coming in on the uh, on the back end here. Yeah, well, it's, it's the high. It's the high point. We always go, we're always going higher and higher. It's just like this is really getting really high. <coughs> so Simchas Torah, just a little a short on Simchas Torah is, we dance with the Torah when it's covered. Because really, when you think about the connection to Torah, you think about intellectual and all kind of stuff. But it's Hashem's Torah. Hashem's Torah. So it's the godliest in the Torah. And so on Simcha's Torah, we're not emphasizing the intellectual pursuit that a Jew has in studying Torah, but the godliness of the Torah. And it's so important, it's so important that we, we always remember that as, as much as Torah is halacha, and, and even the parts that aren't halacha, we're supposed to engage our minds to understand it and appreciate it intellectually on our own level. At the same time, we have to know that at the core, it's Hashem Himself. We're able to connect to God Himself. And so when we're dancing with the Torah, you know, there's a story with this shul, the chassidim were dancing, and the simple Jew was dancing with the Torah. So somebody came over to him, a scholar, somebody, what are you? You don't learn Torah a whole year. Why are you dancing with the Torah? He said, and at my cousin's wedding, I don't dance? So, in other words, you dance with Torah is the fact that the Jewish people have the Torah, that Hashem gave the Jewish people the Torah. So, understand more, understand less, it's still that special bond and gift that Hashem gave to the Jewish people. And so that's the idea of dancing with the Torah on Simchas Torah. We also do read the Torah, okay, but not some, we don't emphasize the reading of the Torah as much as we emphasize the dancing with the Torah. We become the feet of the Torah. <coughs> so that's the Simchas Torah message. And of course, by the Rebbe, don't even ask. The, unbelie- the joy was so un- unbridled. It was un- unlimited. The, the, you know, we always see Rebbe Febreng and Rebbe shake his head and sometimes makes with his hand, but standing here on Simchas Torah, it was just beyond belief. It was just so uplifting, so powerful. People just like, you know, you just got into it. And in my day, when I went, you know, 770 was jam-packed. There wasn't an inch to move. And there was bleachers put on, we can see. And so... We were dancing in place whenever, you know, the Rebbe had a space where he could dance, but we were... The minute the Rebbe left the shul, everybody started dancing. Like, every person that was there, you know, some people started to leave a little bit, you know, so there was room. And just everybody was dancing with everybody else. It was just such... And then the whole 770 just became one big dance floor. Everybody dancing with everybody else and just, you know, all that energy, which the Hakafas by the Rebbe on Simchas Torah... A few times, every Yantif Tev would urge the Chassidim to go out to other neighborhoods and to rejoice with other Jews. So Pesach and Shfu is, it's basically, you know, sharing some Torah, doing a little dance after davening, whatever. Simchas Torah was joining the other shuls for Hakafas. And the Rebbe would have a Fabrengen then. He would start, let's say, start the Fabrengen like 9 o'clock, whatever, go for a couple of hours, and, and then would come down for Hakafas like 12.30 at night. That's when it would start. So it would last until like 3.30 in the morning. And so there was, I mean, the energy really started at the Fabrengen. And then when everybody finally got back and the show got set up for Akafas, and it was just, you know, so everybody had been through a lot before, until then. And all the energies ever invested into Akafas after he left, everybody was like, 
dancing, the whole place, was just, it was an incre- incredible scene. Very uplifting, very powerful. So yeah, we should be able to merit to have the true joy in Simchas Torah, and we should dance all the way to your shrine with Mashiach Tzakeno. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us, everybody. Hope you enjoyed. I personally very much. This has been one of my my favorite episodes of the podcast. Twenty-four. Listening to the uh, to the stories surrounding Sukkot and Simchas Torah. So, hope you all enjoyed episode twenty-four of the podcast. We'll be back next week. It's a shame. Everybody have a good Yontif, a good Shabbos, and a very happy, happy Shmiyaseres Simchas Torah.